Three, two, one. That was a nice, uh, neither of us being quite sure who was going to do the clap there. I enjoyed that greatly. I, I was going to leave it to you, but then I saw you were far away from the mics, which was the international symbol for, I'm not going to talk right now. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Well, there's not much room for me to do this here, so if I'm not talking in the podcast, I'll just do this. <laughs> for the listeners at home, if this gets included in the podcast, Matt just tilted his head entirely backwards off the back of the quite lush sofa he's currently sitting on. I am. I'm a boy of luxury now. Mm -hmm. I am literally on the lap of luxury and you are on my lap of luxury. Uh, my little phone on my lap looking up at me. Um, <laughs> I thought you, just, let's just stop this conversation. Let's I thought you were referring to the listeners there being on your lap of luxury and you were going to like perfectly segue that into a hello and welcome to the Shut Up and Sit Down podcast. That's even worse. Yeah, that's like, quite no wonder bad. Your face crunched up. Your face kind of crumpled up to go. Oh, that's kind of creepy, man. Yeah, yucky. So no, I wasn't saying that. Well, don't worry. This is all gonna get. This is all gonna get deleted. Um, and you know, fantastic. The, yeah, that's fine. The intro will go after this anyway. You know. Hello and welcome to the Shut Up and Sit Down podcast, a podcast all about board games, board games, board games, and board games, and the people who love board games. That's right. I didn't miss you out, folks at home, because you're listening right now to this podcast. And the other person listening to this podcast right now is Matt. Me. It's, it's, it's you. Me. Or me. I'm a person who loves board games, so don't miss me out either. You look right? so worried that you'd been forgotten there, that I'd somehow forgotten that I had a co-host on this episode. It wasn't just Tom's solo rambling this time. I was worried that you'd forgotten that I love board games. Mm. Do you love, I mean, the board games we're going to talk about today, I think we have mixed feelings about certainly but maybe that's not representative of our opinions as a whole on the hobby right no not at all and i think that also like even though we have mixed feelings about the games we're talking about today spoilers uh, <laughs> the crucial thing about that is that we wanted to play them and we wanted to love them and i'm really glad i have played both of these games because they've <laughs> added to the the kind of textural life of the yeah, hobby. and I think that's why we're going to be talking about these games. If I'm honest, because we play lots of games that are just we don't like very much, and we never talk about them. And we had quite a few in the discussions leading up to this podcast in terms of what we're going to talk about. We've had some games that are just disappearing into the shut them sit down obscurity bin, and that's fine because we don't have anything nice to say about them, but we also don't have anything interesting to say about them. Whereas these games are both kind of fascinating, and yeah. I'm glad I experienced both of them. Yes. This is the Shut Up and Sit Down podcast, a podcast that wants to love board games. On this podcast, let's let's get this out of the way. Let's tell the people at home what we're talking about this week. We're going to be talking about Stationfall, a game about surviving a falling space station and trying to accomplish all kinds of nefarious or quite good goals on it as it plummets. And we're going to be talking about Deal with the Devil, a Euro game where one of you is literally Satan and one of you Satan's friend and the rest of you are just normal, thanks. Just two games just on this people. Part. Just people <laughs> trying to get by. <laughs> They're both very, very strange games, and we'll get into um, some big, some big crunchy chats about them. Should we just, should we just dive straight in? I think so. I think we need to just dive straight into space. So the first game we're going to talk about on this podcast is a big, chunky board game called Stationfall. This is designed by Matt Eklund and published by Ion Game Design. I don't even know how to start this. I, I've, it's this, 
large narrative systems driven sandbox game that I would compare most closely to something like Nemesis in the board game world or if you're into your video games a game like Space Station 13 where everyone in this game has a role on this space station. This game goes all the way up to nine players and all of those nine players are trying to influence these different characters who are all on board of a space station as it is in the process of falling towards the earth. And now how many characters are on this station you might think? Nine characters? The same number as there are players? No. In a nine player game you have like I think 20 characters or something close to that. 20 little humans and robots who are toddling around a station doing nonsense. Just a cool 20 different characters that potentially you might be playing as. Because, yeah, it's not like it plays up to nine players and then you can choose from 20 characters. No, there are 20 different characters on the ship yes. potentially wobbling around doing things. Mm-hmm. And which one of them is is you, Tom? Which one of them is you? Well, you know, but no one else does. <laughs> Um, although actually, wait, hold on. Are we saying that none of them are you? Because technically none of them are you. You're just influencing one of them or you can influence all of them. You just want one of them to do their thing. I was trying to set you up to explain the game. I wasn't trying to catch you out. I promise. <laughs> I promise. <laughs> I guess that um, before we talk about this game in any capacity, we should talk about there's this really crucial distinction between players and characters in this game. So each character yeah. has a little wooden piece on the board that can move around and take actions on the space station. But that character on the space station can be controlled by anyone. The players are completely separate. And you want, you know, quote unquote, your character to succeed, but you also might want, you might use other characters to accomplish those goals, right? So on your turn, you'll activate a character, but it doesn't need to be yours. Which one is yours is secret, and you probably want to keep it that way. But ultimately, yeah, you do want to achieve your own character's goal by directly controlling them or indirectly by getting other characters or players to help them out. And what might those goals be, right? There's so many different characters in this game, it would be crazy uh, to try and talk about every single one of the individual goals, but I'll give you some simple ones that might make sense. So the station chief, for example, just wants uh, as many people to get off of the station as possible, but remain on it herself and go down with the ship. Um, Then the astro chimp, for example, is a character who just wants (laughs) to reach Earth with a briefcase and a gun. Uh, I don't know why, but that's their goal. And then a more complex goal might be something like the digital assistant, which is a character that doesn't actually exist on the board, but instead exists as data that needs to be on the sort of handheld computer device of players, or of other characters, sorry. And that digital assistant just wants as many copies of themselves to reach Earth as possible. Or you could be playing the telepathic rat, which is a rat that needs to cause as much chaos as possible but has the downside of being locked in a cage that needs to be carried around by other players. But obviously the rat's telepathic, so they can get players that aren't wearing a helmet to carry them around and do stuff for them. It's it's a bit bonkers. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's very bonkers. And, you know, in one of the first games we played of this, uh, a character just walked into a room, uh, picked up the telepathic rat, and then started walking around carrying this telepathic rat mm-hmm. around whilst doing strange things. And it just had everyone else being like, well, are they, is their character the character or the rat? You know, it's that <laughs> thing of like, what, what are they doing with the rat? Are they carrying the rat somewhere to chuck it out the airlock, maybe? Mm. Or is the rat the one driving the ship? Um, it was a very fundamentally overwhelming experience trying to get our heads around this. Because as... 
as you say, like there are lots of different characters, like 20 different characters. And we're all trying to work out like not only what we can do with the character that we have and what we're trying to achieve and how we might do that, but also looking at all of these other things and trying to work out what the heck could be going on yes. in terms of why would somebody be throwing a Molotov cocktail into that room? Why, why would somebody be so insistent on trying to drag the botanist into an airlock? You know? <laughs> um, and we generally weren't very good at working that out straight no, away because no. of the fact that there were so many moving parts it's it sort of builds itself as being a simulation and the, the board has all of these spaces that represent all of these different locations on this space station and the minutiae of it is quite intense i mean how many different rooms are there there's probably as oh. many rooms as people if not more yeah there's tons and tons of different rooms like the motions of the game are just like hellishly complicated there's there's so many interactions and different things you can do that it is like it's absurd uh, and we should also say that this game comes with two reference guides for the players so you can look up all yeah. of the different <laughs> actions and interactions in the game and like the, they in our copy those reference guides are just we just got battered they were handled yes. by the players they were passed around yes. constantly because people were looking up things because they didn't want to tell other players what they were trying to do because that would might give away what character they are and all that kind of stuff like formulating a strategy for your character was was so tricky and complicated because we didn't even know necessarily what was possible in the space like teaching that game uh, is is so hard because there's so many different things that you can do that going through each of the individual actions and how they work would just be like, it would just be a fool's errand. It would be ridiculous. Uh, but then at the same time, right, you have all of this. So, I mean, if we're getting into like the meat of the criticism of this game, right, you have all of these different things that you can do on your turn, all these different interactions. But ultimately, when you activate a character, you have two actions on your turn. Right. Out of this big list. Yeah. And that, it, it did feel like, proved quite difficult to have turns that felt substantial in this game yes i would 100 percent agree well the first time we played it we played it with nine players which is uh, is that the maximum i think nine is, is the maximum is that i min- think yeah okay i was like i wouldn't have been surprised if i misremembered it and it was the minimum uh, but <laughs> i think but, the minimum is like yeah. three probably i think it might be three yeah that sounds about right but effectively with nine players you can only do two actions and an action is as simple as like moving from one room to another and yeah. often getting around the ship you know you're gonna have to move through some like secondary or tertiary rooms to even get to another room so right. you think well that character's there i need to get that character to the other side of the ship uh, so your whole go might be move a person two spaces. And then after eight players have done other things, a bunch of things might have happened. Yeah. It's possible that um, a door might be locked in that route direction you were going in. It's possible that the character you moved has now been knocked out or incapacitated for some reason that may or might, may not have anything to do with that character. <laughs> it's possible that the room you were going to go to to do something has been partially destroyed or yeah there's just there are so many different things that could happen it could even be that someone moved your character after you moved it like someone yep. could just be like yep. oh i want to use that character now and they're going to go right back the way they came and it's like there's nothing you can do about that and you're right no. that like when you put it like that there are eight turns in between your first and your second turn there are eight human beings between you and the next turn it means that like the strategy yes. i would describe the strategy in this game as like glacial it it is it is so slow but it's but it's also a game where you find yourself unable to do things far more often than you are able to do things that feels like quite 
you know derisive and and blunt but there's so many times in this game where i wanted to do something but i couldn't or but this thing was happening or but 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 it's a really common occurrence to be just blocked off of the of, of your plan because someone did something they didn't even like know that they were messing with your plan by doing it's like yes, i would liken yes. it to it, it's it's like in a worker placement game where someone takes the spot that you really really want because they didn't know what else to do on their turn but you really needed it do you know what i mean yeah i mean i'd say in this it it felt in our plays of this which is not necessarily representative of how the game might be played by people who love this game right uh it's not yet fully out but lots of people have played it a lot on uh tabletop simulator and a lot of people really really got into it and i feel like if everyone was really into it then the game would play quite differently right but i digress i'd say that this actually felt a little bit more like you'd walked to a room where somebody had been building a rube goldberg machine and you'd just been like oh um dominoes or something you know and you just <laughs> you just knock something over and ruined like days and days of work um mm. because it did feel like at the start of the game you go okay well i have these very broad objectives like you know i need all of the humans to be dead mm. or something you know mm. like that's it's where to start you know i mean it's, <laughs> oh, board games are supposed to be an escape from everyday life what the heck but <laughs> you have to work out a plan and so you think okay well i'll do this and you'll start doing something and it might actually end up being that when it comes around to your next turn you're presented with a different opportunity that is more viable but mm. it does mean that especially that first turn in the game just feels kind of pointless because it's like well you know we're gonna i'm gonna do this but then it, by the time it gets around to you again and as is the case in in any game that you play with more than three players i think when it gets around to you again the game state has changed so much that really it's impossible to have any continuity of plan beyond mm. one turn to the next because unless you are incredibly lucky but probably you know like you'll be like well i'll just walk over and put the kettle on and i'll make a cup of tea this is not in the game this is just an example and then by the time <laughs> it's your turn again next there's like a hell demon has spawned and the mm -hmm. entire ship has been torn in two it's it's the escalation um was sort of ridiculous so it felt like as a whole the narrative and the game escalated quite rapidly but in terms of how it felt to play as you put it it felt quite glacial yeah and and i will say that we played it uh, the first time we played it we played it twice and the first time we played it, I don't think we played it with a full nine. We played it with a, a large group, but not the full cohort. And the second time we played it, we played it with the team variant, which I do think mm. does a lot to help that problem of you have a lot more because you have another person around the table who is on your team and their turn is taking place quite a while away from yours you do have more to do you have more to discuss more plans to make and you sort of start to bond with other teams around the table when you realize that your goals are like slightly aligning and you're kind of making deals and doing a little bit more sort of i don't know a, a little bit more a little bit more full stop <laughs> yes and i think that's interesting right because this was described to us uh, as being like a social deduction party game for hardcore gamers right yeah. that was sort of the way the pitch that was given to me and it might not have been by the company i can't remember who said it to me it was a convention i was very tired so that might not be <laughs> official but i yeah i kind of got that but i i feel like maybe we would perhaps too social deductively with it and we were like well we can't get anything done and maybe we should have reacted by being like well if we can't get anything done on our own we have to make alliances with other players yes, we have to work yes. out who's got similar and you know if we had done that then perhaps it might have played or felt differently but i feel like because there were so many minutiae and so many rules and so many systems we were all too busy just trying to grapple with how on earth we might achieve our goals mm. to 
even consider having serendipitous conversations with each other about like oh who are you what are you trying to do and, and having any like deception or anything like that it was everyone just being like I'll do my thing. And then everyone goes, what? What are you doing that? And you're like, I'm just doing things. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Before, you know, you press a button that self-destructs the ship or something. And everyone's like, well, you told me not to worry. And they're like, yeah, I, I did tell you that. I'm sorry. It was very funny. And I do agree that the team variants um, did take off a lot of the rough edges. Just having that thing of like, okay, well, effectively, we've got double our actions. You know, we've got, yes, yes. we get four actions each turn. And even with the little gaps between, it felt like you could actually achieve things and have momentum with plans mm. in a way that was meaningful. But we still did find that actually, as it went on, you, you know, you still got to a point in the game where, where really you had nothing you could do. There were some points towards the end where everyone was like, well, just skip our turn because it's impossible for us to do our objective now. And, yeah. and like all you could do at that point would be to like cause chaos. And I think that that's the thing that I found interesting about it right is is the fun thing about it was the chaos was yes. the like the wheels coming off and what's happening this is really fun this is really silly but at the same time that that miserliness with the actions of only having two actions you can do each turn meant that you knew as a player how hard you had to crunch to try and actually do something meaningful with those mm. and how heartbreaking it was when somebody did something unthinkingly that made your plan completely irrelevant. And I think when you got to that point in the late game where actually the fun should have been, I would say, in a narrative game, well, now I'm just going to chuck Molotov cocktails all over the place and just cause chaos and do whatever I want to do because I'm like, I'm out of the game now anyway, so whatever. I kind of didn't want to do that because I felt like it would be just really aggravating and stressful for other players because they'd already put so much mental work into <laughs> trying to work out like and not trying to even work out and this is the problem right not trying to work out the optimal move but just trying to work out anything to do and i feel like that is why um the action choice was only you know only two actions i i get the sense that this game probably was tested with three or maybe more at some point but because the decision space at the start of the game when you have 20 different characters and all these different rooms all these different locations mm -hmm. all these different potential things especially we haven't even mentioned that actually when you play you get given two characters and you get to choose one that you're going to play as and another one that's kind of going to be either your ally character or enemy character that mm -hmm. you can get extra points for either killing or helping yeah. and at any point in the game if you decide that your main character is no longer a goer you can just be like actually i'm gonna flip and you lose a couple of points but you know it means that basically you can just change your mind and be like, I'm not the evil android, I'm the helpful doctor, you know, and you can actually yeah. pivot. So I feel like at the start of the game, you just think, well, what on earth can I do with two actions? And it limits what you can do to a point that you don't get caught in a horrible web of analysis paralysis. But then the problem is, especially when you know, things aren't going well and you're not actually able to achieve anything, you do find yourself just staring at the board, staring at all these opportunities, being like, there must, some there must be something I can do. Do you feel like it would be something that might be enjoyed by more people who were like really everyone playing it was doing 3D chess? Because I feel like that's the only way it would work. 
Quite possibly. I, I, I keep going back to that thing because I also heard the sort of the, the, the epithet for a party game for heavy gamers. You know, I heard that being bandied around in regards to Station 4. And I do think I wish it was more party game than heavy game at basically every yeah. turn. I wish that like the characters had their own like special power that they had. And that was where the complexity came from, where it's like, I can do this and it's nonsense rather than instead having this like quite rigid system that like everyone kind of can do like roughly the same things in, but it means that you actually have quite a limited space. I wish it was more silly, more party, more ridiculous, more narrative and shorter because it took us so long to play. Um, Like four hours, maybe. Maybe longer, I, maybe even longer than that. It was, it was, it was a real like timetable person hog of a game. <laughs> uh, and was, it is it's, funny because it did, you know, it, it did conjure up a, a couple of stories, right? And the stories yeah. were quite nice, but the stories were very traditional sci-fi, you know, mostly. Mm. There were moments which were hilarious, but often it was, you know, okay, this happens, then this happens, and then this happens, and whoa, everything's gone crazy. That's the thing is that like, there's, I think that when this game shows that like that thematic sort of like lushness that can come out at times right where like you know some of the characters like like for example there's a billionaire on board and every whenever the billionaire is in a room all the cameras are on in that room regardless of like yes. whatever whatever is going yes. on so they're, they've always got cameras following them and their goal is to like find their dog and get it on off the ship and they also have like loads of bribes that they can pay to people to get them to do their bidding like delightful there's like a botanist with a giant man-eating plant i think it's like um, both the millionaire and the millionaire's dog are live streaming like, yes so, yeah but, at any time like, they have, the, the, the implication is that the dog has its own like live streaming feed yep. channel yep. Which is, it's lovely. That Like, we had a lot of fun enjoying the theme and thinking about it. Um, it's just doesn't quite land. It was a fascinating thing to have played. And I think if you do want to check it out, um, I'd really recommend playing it in teams. Having that, like, yeah, co-conspirator, yeah. having someone that you could, like, devise plans with. And sometimes just, you know, somebody says to you, we should do this, and you'd be like, okay, cool. And it'd be like, you know, how can we focus on both of our characters' goals um was uh a lot more satisfying and it made the game move a lot more quickly especially at that player but, count as well especially at that player count especially at that player count but we still found towards the end it just became a little bit a case of well i'm gonna move this character two spaces well i'm gonna move this character two spaces well uh, you know people trying to leave a room and then you can't leave the room i hit you in the head with the spanner it's like okay well i'll bring the medical bot in and it, it felt like oh, oh, once the magic and mystery had been stripped out of the back of the machine, it felt like a war of attrition yeah. to a degree. Yeah. Of like people trying to achieve very basic things. And you kind of felt like we we're playing snakes and ladders, you know, at some mm. points towards the end of just yeah. being like, am I going to get off? No, you've hit my snake. And so now I'm going <laughs> to you in the airlock. And you know, there's there's also like, there's a thing that I, th- I feel like some people who really love this game might come into the comments on this podcast and be like, well, you shouldn't have played it at this player count for your first game, right? And I can see that, right? That like going straight in to play it at nine when we don't quite understand the systems or playing it at like, I think it was like seven or something when we played it the first time. Playing it with that many people first time round just seems like crazy. But then I also do think there is an aspect of like, you know, it's advertised that it goes up to nine. Everyone was bigging up how it's a great game for like lots of big players, how it was a party game for heavy gamers. And I think that like if it doesn't function at that player count, 
you know, or it doesn't hang together. I, I think regardless of how experienced we were with the game, we'd still have exactly the problems we were thinking of with this really like slow strategy and this complete like randomness spanner in the works happening in between your turns. It just doesn't feel like it's oh, 100%. really sitting on either end of that spectrum in a way that's satisfying. No, 100%. And I don't, yeah, I feel like, you know, to, to try and play something like that with an inexperienced group with nine players for the first time would be absolutely... Um, misguided but we were playing with you know a group of people who were all very good at learning and understanding games like you know so i didn't really feel like the player count was the issue um yeah and that was we found that because effectively in the team game we were effectively playing like a four player game maybe right right really like you know like we weren't there was more to it than that but <laughs> but we kind of were um and yeah, I, I didn't see any of the issues we had shaking out differently with, with fewer people. I think with, with many practices, you could be faster and getting through it. But I, it's interesting. Like I've seen a few games like this. And whenever games try to simulate these big systems like this, I always find that they end up having to simplify things and focus on certain aspects of things. And also, despite that, despite like paring things down and trimming things away, losing a lot of the joy of them and i think actually as a simulation i thought that it was interesting that you know they had a lot of the the joy and the fun and the characters being kind of silly and wacky but effectively you know you cannot do the space station 13 thing that level of minutiae like that was right. a game where when you're the janitor it's like find the bucket find the mop fill up the bucket with water and then add some of the soap to the water and then it's like you know it was so annoyingly detailed but in a way that actually i think the joy of simulations is the mundanity right mm. it's it's the the details in between where you're just doing something boring and uh, you know i salute what it's trying to do and a lot of people seem to really really love it um i just think if you do get ensnared into have a game of it just be aware that it will take about four or five hours and you might not enjoy it as much as the other people who are playing it so <laughs> be warned Next up on this travesty of a rondel we call life and reality, we've got Deal with the Devil. That's right, me and Tom talking about another board game. Now this is a game from Czech Games Edition and it's designed by Matush Kotri. Now this caught our eye earlier in the year when we were doing some previews for shucks and having a quick look inside some boxes and talking about what was inside of the boxes. This fascinated us because basically the premise was and really, you know, Chick Games Editions, there aren't many companies out there that do things like this and just surprise you with the audacity of saying, hey, look, what if a Euro game, but with a hidden character mechanic where somebody is actually the devil? It's a Euro game, but somebody's actually the devil. Mm -hmm. And... And okay, right, well, that is already audacious. What if I was to next tell you after this, following on swiftly, not giving you a chance to breathe, I'd say, hey, and you know what else? It's a four-player game. Not a game that plays up to four players. You can only play this game with four people. And I have so much time for the fact that the box <laughs> simply says, on the side, 14 plus, 120 minutes, four exactly. It doesn't say four <laughs> players. It's like, this plays exactly four people if you don't yeah. have exactly four people you cannot play this game yes and in what we were just saying about how like you know games often be like hey you can play with nine five i think is the most criminal number and it doesn't surprise me that expansions often put five in later because i feel like games often will be like yeah you can play this with five if you want to have a bad time <laughs> <laughs> um because generally 
it's a sweet spot. Four, three, that's the sweet spot. Thank you for listening. So we had this diamondy shaped board in the middle of the table and a rondel of resources that's going to twist around the center. And throughout the game, we're going to be getting different types of resources that we're going to be spending to basically make buildings and make stuff in our town or do little upgrades and all that good Euro-y stuff. And it's a medieval setting. Yeah, with the, there's monks and stuff and piety and the church. And also, you guessed it, literally the devil behind each player's corner of the board you've got these massive structures that you put together out of cardboard which are these big buildings that allow you to have a double layered sort of secrecy thing what they call those little hidey things the cardboard hidey things like a player screen but it's got two floors Uh, so it's like a player rampart a player rampart i love it so yeah you've got a player screen with like a shelf in it uh, yeah. and, it, and also the the construction of it is almost like the second layer is coming in at a higher angle so it's almost like it being either a turtle shell it's really designed <laughs> for like you ain't looking behind this okay and that's important obviously because somebody is the devil now a lot of the game is about having these resources behind your rampart each player has a chest kind of thing and it's not a chest it's a it's a triple layer of cardboard effectively so it's like a a false cavity within two thicker bits of cardboard that you can slide the top off and then you can fill it with little chits and bits of cardboard and then slide it closed again and it will stay nice and closed and sturdy but also people won't know what's inside of them and all of these look identical you got four of them and they're just four different chests and cleverly there's a little app with the game that basically means that you scan these and then the game knows who has which chest and it will tell you upon doing deals who to give the chests out to all of these chests get chocked full of things and you doing deals with people being like you have a little thing on the inside being like i'll twist that which means i would like this resource and here what you put into it from behind your little uh, rampart of secrets you put resources in being like look i want this and in exchange i will give you this they all go into the middle and then the app tells you who to hand them out to and then everyone gets them everyone looks at what they've been offered and you can choose to take the deal in which case you literally just you know put the resources inside and you take out the money or whatever or you choose to deny the deal and you just chuck it back in the middle and at the end of each round you're going to do this twice which means that everybody makes an offer of a deal that's going out to the table and then two other people will look at that deal and potentially one of them will take it. Now, the crucial thing here, of course, is that the devil is making different kinds of deals to people. The devil wants to buy your soul. Um, And at the start of the game, if you are a human, you're not really going to have any money, but you will have a soul. You'll have Mm -hmm. an entire three bits of soul, three little segments of, it's like the chocolate orange of humanity. Right. And, um, those segments are very valuable to devils. Now, one player is a cultist, which means that technically they're still a human, but they start with a little bit less soul than usual and a little bit more money, as is the way. Poor Mr. The Devil, no no souls at all, but loads of money. Honestly, just scads of cash. Very, very, a very rich, I'm going to say man, but no, devil. <laughs> So effectively, you have this situation whereby you're playing this traditional euro, 
clearly, where you have resources, you spend resources to do things, and then you know have money. Money's great. You can spend money to get more resources. You can spend money to do things. At the start of the game, no one has any money. So, as the devil, what are you going to do? You've got all this money. You could just start playing the Euro game very well, right? You could just be playing better than everyone else because you've started the game with more resources. But doing so might make it a bit obvious that you are literally the devil. The early game definitely definitely has the, the kind of tone of like, my grandparents will sometimes walk past someone's house and just spend a weird amount of time like looking at it and just kind of like being nosy. <laughs> it has that kind yes. of like, you know, um, sort of curtain twitching, sort of like, you know, looking at what everyone else is doing around the table, trying to sort of appraise your situation in relation to theirs. Um, although yes. I do 100%. think that, so we should actually preface this by also saying that I don't think working out who the devil is, is necessarily as important as the sort of like the game of having enough soul is. Um, no. Cause no, and I mean this is this is what I really enjoyed about this game, right? I, I, what I enjoyed about this game was it was it was not what I expected. Okay, when I saw it and thought, okay, it's a slightly asymmetric Euro game where one person's the devil and you don't know who it is and you're keeping it a secret. Immediately you think, ah, right, it must be like social deduction, betrayal. No, yeah, actually, it's it's a piece of satire. Really, it's a piece of satire about the church and about like the realities of piety. In right. the fact that actually we started to realize early on, it doesn't really matter if you're the devil, right? <laughs> even if even if you are the devil and people work it out, like if people work it out early on and they're able to pin you and be like, look, this person is definitely the devil and get it right, then yes, all right? Having the mask off is not great. It does slow you down a bit, but it's not like you're out of the game, right? It's no. not that much of a game changer. The problem is not having enough soul <laughs> and and the thing about it is funny is actually the inquisition play a large part in this game and as the game goes on the inquisition kind of become more and more difficult and they ramp up and there are different ways that players and can change it so that the inquisition is more powerful or the inquisition is less powerful but having the inquisition being very powerful might actually be great for the devil because when the inquisition turn up they're not actually looking for the devil they just want to see how much soul you have right and if you don't have enough soul then you're in trouble however as it gets on it's like i think there was a point towards the end of the game and i may misremember this but i'm sure there was a point where the inquisition was so harsh that it didn't matter even if you had a full soul that yeah. still wasn't enough yes. <laughs> you still were being punished by the church at that point in the game the only way we m could have really weathered the inquisition storm even if you had a full soul was i think like bribing them as well yeah um or having yeah, a sufficiently exactly. high reputation as well there's a whole reputation system in the game where if you gain reputation the sort of inquisition will look the other way but then they forget about that every single round of the game like you can do loads of really good deeds for the church to get a glowing repu re uh, glowing reputation but every single round they'll kind of forget that you did all that yeah unless you've got some more money in which case they'll be like oh no yeah you you are legit you are legit so <laughs> I, I found it very funny the fact that it's like okay one of you is the devil the inquisition is going to come to town and you sort of think okay the inquisition come and they're going to find out who the devil is they don't care they're not looking for that they are literally just they want everyone to be either paying them or to be pious and um yeah like trying to math out that balance of being like well i'll sell a bit of my soul 
to get some money to then wire up this engine to then be getting the resources to be able to actually like do well and make money and be able to pay the church and make these donations versus being good and keeping all of your soul and not selling it to the devil but then the inquisition turn up and you're too poor to pay them off and so you get pinned as being a heretic and you're in an awful lot of trouble it was inherently very funny Mm. and very sharp you know it was kind of on the nose in as a piece of satire but actually it's quite fun to have a board game that is just shamelessly being quite controversial and having fun with it i think Mm -hmm, why mm -hmm. not the the core of that yeah like that's that sort of like satirical core of it is like so unbelievably strong and you realize more and more about why it's clever and what it's doing the more that you play it it's like it's very much one thing on the surface but then the more time you spend with it the more you realize that it's really about like corruption and and kind of about capitalism in the same breath um a hundred percent hundred percent and i think as well like it's it's interesting how there are the cards there are cards you have where you are either going to do the good thing or the evil thing right so it's like each round you get given a card and then there's different outcomes that happen depending on whether you want to take the good choice or the evil choice and there's a lot of fun stuff there as well in terms of like what the what the good thing is versus the evil thing it's like often the thing that's like the good thing to do it's quite bad you know it's like it's it's very much like you know oh there's there's outsiders trying to come to town and it's like the good thing to do obviously is to stop them (laughs) it's you know it's it's very like um traditional like conservative medieval values in a way which is really quite interesting i feel like the the we had a lot of fun unfolding what it was but i feel like by the time we did unfold what it was you realize that actually underneath the surface after you've enjoyed what it's doing um as a piece of media the actual core of the game is a lot less revolutionary and a lot less strange than we expected really it is just a slightly i think i best describe it as a slightly asymmetric euro game yeah yes that's 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 basically hitting the nail on the head in the sense that like the actual sort of euro game I think that my ultimate conclusion with Deal with the Devil, right, is that, like, I'm really glad that we played it. I'm glad that it has so much, like, wind in its sails in terms of it being this sort of, like, slightly bonkers and very quite, like, very funny, very CGE game. But I think I just find that actual core Euro game that's in the center of it not dramatically interesting. Um, And I think I'd fundamentally rather play something that's a bit more straightforward. But also, and this is the really important thing, we did have, uh, I think something went slightly wrong with our game. And it may have been the app or it may have been the humans, but there were a couple of times in the game whereby during the point where you get handed the chest to take a look at the deal, to be like, do you want to take this deal? Um, I got I got my own box back a couple of times. And I don't think that's supposed to happen. I'm, I'm not 100% sure. Maybe that is supposed to happen as part of the keeping it all slightly mysterious vibes. But I... I kind of my gut says that that shouldn't happen so I don't know if it was like a glitch in the app or we messed something up very slightly and I kind of I I wanted to talk about this podcast now because we hope to play this game again before we talked about it in the podcast but because it requires specifically four people mm-hmm. and takes quite a long time to play we haven't had the chance to play again and we just felt like at this point it would be best to just talk about it but I do want to caveat that slightly because I think that we really enjoyed the theming we really enjoyed what it was trying to do. We felt a little flat on it as a kind of trade Euro game. Yeah. But I I don't think that what I've just said, like, 
undermines those opinions. I just think it definitely takes some of the sharpness out of them because yeah, I, yeah. I get the sense that perhaps it would have been slightly better um, if that was a mistake and something was not supposed to be happening happened. Does that make sense? It makes sense. It makes sense. Oh, thank goodness. I feel like we've fully informed the 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 listener of our caveats and stipulations are deal with the devil i feel like we've accomplished our goal right ah yes i think we have so if you'll just sign here at the bottom of this podcast <laughs> no you've just signed a deal with, with... pringles the oh, potato whoa. chip in a can oh. that's shaped weirdly and when's my first shipment arriving this week's podcast is sponsored by the devil <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much for listening to this week's episode of the Shut Up and Sit Down podcast. We talked about some games. We had some thrills and spills and chills. Uh, We'll be back next week with another podcast. I think next week's podcast will be a CCG special where we're going to be talking about flesh and blood and Soulforge fusion. So you can catch that in the pod feed next week if you're interested in your CCGs over on the YouTube channel. I should have, by the time this podcast comes out, a review of classic family weight game Rummy Cub, where I have a slight breakdown for a few minutes at the start. Uh, we'll see how that traffics. Probably badly. Um, is that it? Is that everything? Is that all that we've done, Matt? Is that everything? <laughs> is that all that we've done? Oh, wait. Hold on. No, you know what else I can plug, Matt? This is so this has become a very unofficial um podcast. Oh sorry, very official, I should say, podcast outro, isn't it really? It's become a, you know, we don't normally do these, but but by the time this podcast comes out as well, if you're listening to this before 9 p.m. GMT on the 27th of January 2023, why I am listening to this before 9 p.m. <laughs> GMT on the 27th of January because I'm recording this with you now live. Well, that's amazing because, Matt, you can come along to a, a real video live stream on twitch.tv, no. I think, slash shut no. up and sit down, where I'm going to be no. playing some of that Marvel card game. Not Marvel Snap, the other one by the Firaxis people. And if you're too late, you are lying. if you're too late to watch that, I'm not lying. Don't worry. You are lying it's, it's to true. me. It's true. Imagine, I mean, These if are I don't lies. stream for whatever reason, that's going to look quite bad, isn't it, really? <laughs> yeah. No, it won't then I would be bad. lying. But I don't think I will be. And in that case, there'll be uh, a VOD. There'll be whatever. It'll be there. You can watch it online. That's all the plugs for this week. Shut up and plug it somewhere else. No, that sounds fantastic. Yeah, sounds- I might watch that because I want to know what's the deal with that game um vis-a-vis tom brewster's brain i'm gonna be quite accident i think i'm gonna be quite upset by the fact that i just like click random on my character a few times and end up with the most generic male human that i've ever seen in my life and that's gonna be what represents me in the in the grand world of marvel marvel midnight suns online i mean i feel like that in itself is a piece of biting commentary about marvel (laughs) as a as a as a as a media entity so yeah quite possibly quite possibly thanks very much for listening everyone we'll see you next week bye see you next time bye